It's only entertainment. Welcome back to The Talking Hedge. I'm Josh Kincaid, Capital Markets Analyst and host of your Cannabis Business Podcast. With me at NJ BizCon for day one, Rob Seacrest with Polaris Equity Fund. Rob, thanks again for being on The Talking Hedge. Thanks for having me. Uh, a little recap. What is Polaris? We are a private mortgage retreat. We focus on lending to uh, owners of cannabis uh, use properties. We're the largest privately held lender in the country. We've done about 72 transactions for five years. Okay. Is that interest rate sensitive? Right now, interest rates are kind of going up. Does that have any effect or impact on your business? Yeah. So, uh, as the federal rates uh, continue to increase, we're passing that through for our borrowers on our loans and our closing rates. So, part of our portfolio uh, is on fixed rates, and we are shifting to floating rates for, for new originations and some of our, our fully stabilized product does have floating rate. But our bridge loans used to only be fixed rate. But even for 18 months, that's too, too, we just don't have any foresight of where we're going to be, so we think we made those be first. Okay. Are your returns fairly stable, though? It seems like from what I, I'm on your email list, and I kind of see the returns, and I think there's probably a lot of people jealous as they're sitting there looking at their portfolio 30% negative. You seem to be on this pretty consistent track. How are your returns that stable? Well, I mean, first we're private, so there's no volatility in our share price. Um, there's good and bad with that. But the good is that people can invest with us, and they don't have to worry about that volatility. The bad is, is that a lot of our investors have capital calls or margin calls, and we're the only place that they can get liquidity from that uh, they didn't have to sell discounts. That's one, that's one aspect. But, um, our yields are targeted between 12 and 15 percent net annualized IRR. We achieved 15% this year. We've had 15, 15% every other year prior to this. The only reason it's lower this year is we had an enormous cash drag at the end of this last year, $120 million, and it's still over 4%. That's really good. Okay. Um, do those return are those returns dependent upon the properties in which you're looking at? For example, like if you're looking at a producer in Arizona versus a retailer in New York, does that affect the return? Gotcha. So the that doesn't. But we have two separate lending products. Okay. So our bridge loan product, prior to the rates going crazy, was about a 15% average loan rate. And our fully stabilized was about a 12% average loan rate. So those two loan products have different rates, but we don't have a disparity of pricing based on the type of asset. It's okay. more on if it's fully stabilized or being built. So for, for a bridge loan or mezzanine loan, temporary loan, what's the due diligence process on that for somebody uh, in a new emerging market who doesn't really have the experience? How do you kind of go in and assess that? So first, we only do first senior liens. We don't do any mezzanine or any other stuff like that. Um, but for us, it starts with having an experienced operator. We've got to de-risk every element we possibly can. So yeah, generally, it's going to be somebody that's expanding into a new market or building out a, uh, a new facility. Um, and then the other part is that we need to have a sponsor that is, can support the transaction, whether it's individual or corporate guarantees. These are the two most important elements. And then the property is what we're typically building or, or putting together for them. So that property is, the property is important, but those other two elements are just as important. Have you had to uh, take over a property? Uh, has there been any issues where there's been bad management or bad decisions or just something's gone haywire and you had to kind of take that back? All loans have different applications that struggle. You know, uh, it could be the construction process that has nothing even to do with the operations yet, but that's just normal in, in everyday lending. In the 72 transactions we've done, we only had to foreclose and have one with 
some net positive trade for us. So we've shown that we can reposition an asset and sell it off for a profit. Um, our portfolio is performing well. I was saying that practices of being perfect, perfect but failure does. What did you learn from that? What were some of the causes for the, the failure and, and what were some takeaways? Yeah, so in doing 5,000 transactions for $5 billion, there's been a lot of learning lessons through multiple down cycles. And we've implemented those incrementally over the last 30 years into everything that we do. Um, in that particular transaction, it was a situation where the city decided that they didn't want the our borrower to board the tenant that was already approved for the cannabis use tenant. And it was a very odd situation, and um, so that ultimately they weren't able to get the property up and running. It had been previously approved, and so this was a situation where we think there was some strange stuff going on behind in the city, and they had another operator that they had approved to go and they have no say. Um, and so ultimately we foreclosed on that property. We repositioned it as a non-cannabis value property, and they were telling us that we had to report this cannabis tenant, and we said, we don't have to do anything. We sold it to an auto repair shop. <laughs> Interesting. All right. Um, what about the current demand? Because we just saw a couple states, Missouri and Massachusetts. Um, I've, I've been kind of hearing some some buzz about just people really wanting to get into the game. Uh, are, are you seeing commercial real estate investors kind of at a peak right now with this movement? So for us, it's, it's borrowers. It's our, and so our pipeline is more robust than we've ever had it. Last I checked, it was about $665 million that we're analyzing of what we want to do and what we're going to close at what stage of funding. Um, we don't look for any particular state that we want to be in. It's We're agnostic. We just let the transactions come to us. We're picking the most experienced operator, the strongest sponsor, the best credit we can possibly issue. So that is, we're just looking for it on a case-by-case -case basis like that. Is there anything that you are going to avoid, though? You said you, there's not, you're agnostic, but is there something like Oklahoma where like, we're not going there? So, we can always find a way to offset the risk if we wanted to go into market. Let's just take um, Oklahoma, and also I'll talk about Florida for a second. So Oklahoma, an enormous amount of you know, dispensaries out there, producers, and it's kind of a wild wild If we were to do a transaction there, instead of going up to 60% loan to value or loan to cost, we might go to 20% and, and adjust our risk from that. So there's pass-through that we would do. We haven't. We're still um, not that interested in that particular state, but there has been transactions that we said, okay, this would actually work. It just happens that we have so many other transactions that are vastly better, more superior, that we're just not you know, doing them. But there's ways that we would make adjustments in, in the structuring of the loan to offset that risk. On the other side, Florida, which is an amazing market, but it's completely vertically integrated, in that state, if we were to foreclose on an asset, because you have to be vertically integrated, the, the entry price for that that that, that facility um, and to, to get that facility up and running is going to be tens, if not $100 million. And the other people that are operating in that state already are just going to absorb the capacity that that previous borrower just lost. And so that one we might have to adjust the LTV as well. And it's for the same reason. It's, and even though it's a, a very good market, but there's different dynamics. Okay. Now, is there any any loans that, that are coming through that give you peace of mind that allow you to sleep at night uh, versus like just stress you out? So is like a grow better than 
um, a manufacturer of product or you know, retailers or any particular stage along the way where you're, you've seen so many of these deals where you're just like, yeah, that, that one's gold. We love those all day long. Yeah, there's no loan that we would originate that would stress us out. There are closing processes in the in the the hurting of the cats that stresses us out, but it's not just because it's a bad deal. It's people have no clue how challenging it is to get all the pieces to line up, especially if it's a multiple merger uh, roll-up of three corporations in multiple different counties and in six different properties. It can it, there's a lot of, of hurting that has to happen there, and, um, and so that that. I'm not on that side of the team, but you know that gets frustrating. But it's just part of the process. We would never originate a transaction that, that stressed us out. We typically are doing mostly mixed-use properties with at least some form of cultivation. What we're doing the least of is dispensaries. Not because we just don't care for doing them. It's just they don't need our high-performance capital to build out a dispensary. They're typically just a you know um, improvements would just be uh, you know tenant improvements there would just be to build out the, the storefront or whatever it is. Not tens of millions of dollars to build out a whole facility. Has there ever been any regulatory risk that you've been associated with or seen, maybe even avoided, where rules just kind of change overnight in kind of limiting or impacting the way that you're able to operate? So not for us because we're, our rules and regulations have nothing to do with cannabis. So we're regulated by you know, different agencies depending on what state we're in and, and for, for lending. So it's not the same lane that you're talking about. For our borrowers, tenants that have the cannabis licenses, yes, we are tracking to make sure that their licenses are current and that they're staying in compliance because they're only a legal operator as long as that stuff is still remains current. So um, as far as rules changing and what you, the last point you made, that can be like labels and things like that on inventory, and that's that's the borrower's tenant's issue to resolve that type of stuff. Those are typically just going to be a fine or something like that, or they have to scrap all those packages that have um, the old labeling and update the new, so that doesn't really affect that. As an MRB, you haven't had any issues even with like your bank? No, and so you have to think about it a little bit differently. Even though we're the lender and we appear to be a bank, we actually use an FDIC federal charter bank, and so all the transactions and inbound monies and deposits and everything that are coming in these are coming from other FDIC insured banks. So we don't have any of that um, issues. We are not boarding tier one um, uh, cannabis de uh, depositors, which would be cash from our camp borrowers tenants. So somewhere else that, that any cash is being deposited by the tenant into their own bank account, then that tenant's bank account is wiring to the borrower. And then the borrowers wired to us, so we have we are totally removed from that. Okay. What's the lending environment look like for 2023? Are you anticipating any additional foreclosures or um, stress points as, as interest rates rise, or uh, you know people have to? Uh, my my brother-in-law had to quit him. He couldn't afford it. You know, so when we have inflation and all these high prices and people making alternative decisions, is that going to potentially impact 2023? So, so I think that um, every industry across the board is going to have some headwinds from the, the economy. However, I think that cannabis is going to have a, somewhat of a tailwind from the growth that's happening there and it being a 
seeing business that typically is going to be better in a uh, real estate down cycle or an economic uh, cycle like we're going through right now. So I think that we're going to do better than other industries. Um, I think that our structure and how we've de-risked our transactions that we perform better than our peers. Um, but cannabis transactions have more elasticity and the ability to absorb the pricing increase on the loan than traditional uh, loans. So some of our loan, our borrowers are covering their debt to cover ratio of 400%. Travis can talk to you a little bit about tomorrow. But most loans have 1.2, 1.25% debt coverage ratio. So we're significantly above that on our loans. And so what that means is that there's more ability for these guys to absorb the pricing increase at some that if, if they're on a floating rate note and the rates increase. Uh, lot to cover, not a lot of time uh, here today, unfortunately. But anything else that you want to cover while we're here? Um, well, I think that it's a it, it's an interesting time um, to be here and to see what's happening with the lame duck session coming up. Uh, we're going to meet with Corey, uh, Corey Booker on Friday, and uh, so we'll see if we can get an update there. I suspect he's going to say, "Hey, I've got this. I'm working on it. We're doing everything we can." Just the, the normal chatter, but. To get it put past the finish line, it's not him. It's the you know getting the Republicans to get through the Senate as well. So we'll see if something comes from that. Um, some of the things that I've learned while I've been here is that California is starting to turn around um, on the price per pound for the wholesale. We're not our borrowers aren't in the wholesale. Um, they're not selling out to wholesale. Ours are typically owner users that are selling into their own brand. But a lot of our borrowers do sell excess capacity into the wholesale, and that market has gone up as much. Just 60% the last few months, so um, that's the uh, lower grade and the indoor flowers starting to come back up, and so that's a good sign. And I think that all the stress and everything everybody's talking about for the California market at least, that's the outdoor wholesale market, and unfortunately, a lot of those guys aren't going to be around, but it's not because of what people uh, conflated with that issue is. The causality isn't necessarily just oversupply. It's that we've been building facilities for borrowers that are producing for themselves, and they are not buying as much from the wholesalers. And so that market has been shrinking anyway, even if nothing else happened. So I think that that'll self-correct. I think that if you'll see California self-correct, like you saw uh, Oregon and Colorado and the stronger players for survive. Um, one of the people I spoke with last night, he said that they went $2 million deep total in the last three months to cover cash flow, and they were down to as low as selling uh, pounds for $150 a pound. And so, you know, I asked him, I said, how do you know whether to keep going and burn up all your reserves? And you were, you were guys were fortunate to have those reserves. He said, we have been in the business long enough to know that this is cyclical, what we're going through in these three months, and we know that it was going to come back. We just didn't know it was going to come back this this hard, this fast, this good. So that was, uh, you know, I'm trying to give some uh, market intelligence of what's happening before it comes out in some of these reports. Yeah, interesting. Very cool. And talking with Corey Booker, so that'd be interesting to, to yeah. follow up and see what happens with that. Good deal. Uh, if people want to learn more about Polaris, where can they find you at? Um, you can go to our website, PolarisEquityGroup.com, or you can email us at IR for Investor Relations at Polaris Equity Group. If it's a loan request, it's info, I-N-F-O, at Polaris Equity Group. And uh, Polaris is P-E-L-O-R-S. All right. All right. I think with that, we're going to have to roll this one up. So I want to thank my guest, Rob Seacrest. He's with Polaris. I'm Josh Kincaid. This is The Talking Hedge. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. Or don't. And I'm out. Forget to smash that like button on your way out and check out these other videos that we've got.
Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hi, it's Justin Benton, host of the Miracle Plant Podcast, where we discuss this miracle plant that goes by so many names and how it's helping people in so many extraordinary ways. So if you love this plant and you want to hear a story that tugs on those heartstrings and learn more about this plant, then head on over to the Miracle Plant Podcast. You'll be glad you did.